Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am J.P. Mosier. And we're here breaking down the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you why they're great, what makes them awesome, why we think they're great, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Fantastic. Had a good little uh, good night's rest. Somebody kept me up way too late watching this awesome documentary on Hired Gun. Hey, that was me. That was you, Rob. I kept you up too late. We're having a party in Nashville. We are. We had a, a, a good little hangout. We so. did. Stayed up way too late. If you haven't seen, if you're a musician and you have not yet watched the documentary Hired Gun on Netflix. It's money. 10 out of 10 would definitely recommend uh, some amazing stories and connections to people that you never knew um, were 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 there. Uh, incredible, incredible. I never knew that Randy Rhodes played in Quiet Riot. Yeah. So that was my takeaway of random, amazing musician that played in a band that I did not know that. R.I.P. So. Randy Rhodes. Yep. So. Gone too soon. Uh, okay. But we're not talking about Black Sabbath today. No, we're not. We're not talking about Randy Rhodes, and we're not talking about death. No. We're not, we're not talking about any of that. Happy things. As a matter of fact, kind of the opposite. The opposite. We're talking about celebrating things. Celebrating things. We're talking about the song for bar mitzvahs everywhere. Absolutely. Weddings, happy times of any sort. If you've ever experienced a happy time, I can guarantee you that this song was playing in the background. If your team's ever won the World Series. Uh, if chess tournament. Chess tournament. By golly, you have heard Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Let's get right into it. And that is Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Everyone around the world. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. Everyone. This is like, you know, Dancing in the Streets talks about like everybody. It's an invitation across the nation. But Celebration <laughs> is like. Around the world. It's everyone around the world. Come on. Come on. Uh, so this is, of course, a, a, um, a tribute to Cool and the Gang's favorite search engine. Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
right? Inspired by some just killer search results that they got one day yeah, uh, when they were when they were trying to look up something. They did not celebrate when Google got big. No, they did not celebrate at all, um, and they they haven't celebrated <laughs> Yahoo's recent uh, struggles and downfalls, but. Uh, no, uh, Celebration released in 1980 from the album Celebrate. If you've got a song that you know is going to be huge and, and it's, it's reported that they kind of had a feeling and even I think one of their moms was like, you're going to be playing this song forever, life, yeah. uh, you know, so just get used to it. Like you hit a song that you know is going to be big, just go ahead and name the album after it. Well, the album is called Celebrate. The album but is cele- the s- yes. The song is Celebration. That's right. The, Close the, enough. The album is a verb, and the and the uh, single is a noun, right? But uh, welcome to which, Grammar One Hundred and One, <laughs> Robin JP. We're here talking about why adverbs are awesome, <laughs> and why we think you should also. But to, we hate pronouns. But we hate pronouns as and much rascal, as rascal flats. flats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're in sync today. Uh, um, yeah, so why do you think, is there a good reason why they didn't just call the album Celebration? I, have, I, I don't know. It's confusing to me because I would think they should have named, the, it should have been a true title track. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Wh- I, I don't know. Why, why, would you, why would you not? It seems like, although maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they didn't have search engines in mind, but if you went yeah, online and, and Googled now, you would you would find you, you could Google either Celebrate Cool in the Gang or Celebration Cool in the Gang, and it would both come up. Uh, so maybe they thought, you know, people would be asking about the Celebrate song, and it would just hit both ends. They would be either asking about the album or the, I don't know. I'm th- thinking too much into it. Anyway, released in 1980 from the album Celebrate, uh, it hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It was Cool in the Gang's only American number one on the Billboard Hot 100, which is a little surprising considered the number of hits that they had. They have tons of songs that you know. They had Ladies Night, which was huge, which is also the same. I, listen, I think they're a little sly in how they came up with these songs. They It wasn't so much like, man, we were inspired to write a song about celebrating it was more like we wanted to write a song that people would play at every sort of celebration. Ladies' like, night, come late, on! Yeah, they were like every 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 club across the country has ladies' night. Sure, you know what I mean. So we're gonna write the ladies' night anthem. And actually, at the end of ladies' night, it says, "Come on, let's celebrate." Yes, which was a in, great setup. In part, a foreshadowing and a literal. Uh, um, uh, a trigger for this song, like that was a jumping-off point for this, uh, in uh, for them to be able to write that. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about that a little later. Very cool. I love it when you hear a part of one song that connects to another song by the same artist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's uh, there's actually I love this. I'm a huge Van Halen fan, as are you. Absolutely. Um, and there's a there's a part in the end of Jump. Um, at the very end of Jump, there it's, it's almost fading, fading out. out. Yeah, where he he's playing this little guitar riff. And it and top that, of the world, top, yeah, top of the world, yeah, exactly. Uh, what eight years later, that became the main riff for different a song lead called singer, top of the world with a different lead singer, yeah, different era. Uh, but it, you know, it's just this little connection uh, that's you know very cool. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, this is the like. The great, well, first of all, they, we, we were talking about number one, uh, this is their only one number, number one song, but they had a bunch of hits. They had Ladies oh, Night, yeah. they had um, 
Get down on it. Get down on it. Jungle boogie. Jungle boogie. Cherish. Cherish. Yeah. It's a ton like. Cherish was the first forty-five album that I had. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was the first forty-five. My parents we listened to predominantly Christian music in our home, and we had this forty-five of Cherish that I would play all the time because I was. You like, want to sing oh. a little bit of it? No, it's good. Okay, fine. Let's take a walk together. <laughs> yeah, it's you a, didn't want to, but you I had didn't. to. I didn't. I got. I got in the groove. You felt it. You did. You had no choice. It got a hold of you, and you it just did. you just had to go for it. Um. So yeah, like great career for Cool and the Gang, even though it dipped off dramatically after uh, sort of uh, their established lead singer. They started off without a like main lead singer, but then they brought in a couple guys, and, and JT Taylor became sort of their voice. And um and that's when they really kind of hit you know hit it big after bringing him in James Taylor but not the James Taylor true uh, that would have been a whole different that would have been weird a whole different vibe <laughs> I'm not sure that would have worked um, but after he left there they didn't really chart much after that he came back in and they reunited and then now he's not again I think I don't who knows but uh, anyway but but they've still getting like celebrations playing somewhere right now absolutely more than one place that song is playing at this very moment. Somewhere for somebody's something, you know what I mean? <clears throat> somebody's congratulations, you done it party. <laughs> um, and uh, they, they, the inspiration from the song actually comes from a uh, a a passage in the Quran. Uh, both of the Bell brothers, who are um, sort of the kind of the cornerstone of the band, there are a lot of founding members, and they were they're a big group, and there's like eight songwriters on this song uh, attributed, but but the Bell Brothers, Ronald and Robert, who are uh, c- known as Cool, Robert is known as Cool, and Ronald is Khalees, which is his uh, Muslim uh, name that he that he took on after converting. Um, he said it was inspired by a scripture in the Quran about God creating man and the angels celebrating that, celebrating that God had created man. And, um, and he thought, and it just made him think, man, there's always a celebration happening somewhere. You know, there's somebody's always celebrating something. And that That is so crazy because not to interrupt, but when I was reading, it said I was reading the scripture and then I automatically thought the Bible. Mm -hmm. So that, sorry. I did too. And so I did some further research and found, found out that both the, both the Bell brothers are Muslim and that, and then I found specifically him talking about a passage in the Quran. Um, so, because I thought maybe he was sort of talking about, uh, a scripture in Luke that says angels celebrate when, uh, when a person comes to salvation. Um, every time a bell wings, bell rings, <laughs> bell wings. an angel gets its wings. <laughs> no, that's time, Jimmy Stewart. Every Sorry. time a bell wings, an angel, <laughs> angel gets, gets wings. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, so yeah, so he thought there's always a celebration happening somewhere, and that became sort of the the impetus for, to to write this song. And then they end up with the lyric in "Ladies' Night" that you know, come on, let's all celebrate, and uh, and and that became kind of the final piece for them to kind of put this put this whole thing together. Uh, they were, uh, they they started riffing on that line. They were at the they had just won two American Music Awards uh, for "Ladies' Night" and and that album, um, and. They were just having a good time afterward and started riffing on that. Come on, let's all celebrate. And it kind of became there's a celebration happening. And voila, they took it back and and finished this song celebration that they had kind of started. And it became a hit forever. It's just a hit until the end of time. And they will never stop playing this song. Um, 
I saw Cool in the Gang live with you. That's right. In 2012-ish. I think. Yeah. Yeah, 2013, t- maybe? 2012, I think. Yeah. Uh, opening for, of all people... Van Halen. Van Halen. Uh, so how about that connection? Oh my goodness. We've already, we've already made two, circle. Two, Van Halen two Van Halen references in the first couple minutes of the podcast here. Um, and you think immediately, like, that's kind of a weird pairing. Cool in the Gang opening for Van Halen. Uh... But it worked. It worked. I mean, they said, okay, it was it was David Lee Roth's idea. In 2012, uh, Van Halen had reunited with David Lee Roth, and they had put out a, their first new album, their first new album, period, since 1996, I think, and their first new album with David Lee Roth since 1984. And um, so they put out this album, A Different Kind of Truth, and they were doing a world tour on it, and they were looking for an opening act. And David Lee Roth says, why don't we call Cool in the Gang? And, and he, so he he calls them up and he says, he says, look, I know it sounds weird, but we kind of rose to popularity in the same era, right? Uh, and and our fan base is sixty percent women. Uh, let's you know, let's just have a party. Like women love you guys. Ladies' night, it's huge. Women love us. Let's let's just do it. Everybody loves celebrate. Everybody loves Cool in the Gang. It's just such a different. If you could jump and celebrate at the same time, <laughs> you've got a party. Yeah, and it totally worked. It was just a big party. Like it didn't matter that it, it wasn't like a rock audience versus a disco funk audience. It was just everybody loves cool in the game. Lots of smiles. Yeah, and high fives. Man, everybody was, was high fiving. It was a good time, uh, and uh, and it worked. And and I think I think the, the tour worked, and they all had a great time. So, um, kudos to David Lee Roth for a good idea, man. He's a he's a businessman. He knows what's up. Like, you might just go to see Cool in the Gang. You might not care about Van Halen, but you might, hey, I'll go see Cool in the Gang. Thanks for joining us, Robbie Wade, on that trip. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to Robbie Wade and Amber, um, who we will have on this when we talk about Right Now by Van Halen. We're going to do this. Uh, We're going to start talking about, we've been talking forever about having guests. I think it's it's almost Season two, there will be guests. Season two, there will be guests. Um, so, uh, shout out to everybody who's listened through season one as we've grown and matured and become professional podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, I was going to say better, but okay. Yeah. Worse. Sorry. Sorry about the decline in uh, quality recently. Um, no. Uh, so this song has been featured in tons of TV shows, movies, just like not only, you know, I, I wish I could put a ballpark on how much money has been made just off licensing from this song. Like, you get on a movie soundtrack, that's pretty solid money. You get used on TV, especially if it plays again, that's pretty solid money. And this has been used on everything from, like, WKRP in Cincinnati, like, all the way from there up until, like, Parks and Recreation. Like, it's been used on everything. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know what I'm talking about? Like, this song is on Gilmore Girls, Simpsons, West Wing. It's been on everything. Did you see the song that knocked it off the number one? No. Dolly Parton, 9 to 5. No kidding. Yes. Working 9 to 5. Wow. A happy version of a depressing thing. It's right? true. Yeah. So, That's funny. Gosh, the, I haven't heard that song in forever. Um, Awful movie. <laughs> I don't... I probably saw it on my grandmother's television at some point yeah. in the background, but I was too young to care. Um, so yeah, it's been, they say the band said the weirdest place that they've heard it was a space shuttle. They, they, they saw a thing on TV where, you know, astronauts were in space and celebration was playing in the background. Um, so, uh, I guess that's, I mean, you've made it, you know, if you're getting listened to in space, 
then you've 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 made it. Um, so this song hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Also hit number one on the R and B and Hot Dance Club charts at the same time. Uh, but it remains their only number one American hit. Um, you got any any cool stories on Cool in the Gang? Or Absolutely. Let's meet cool the connection? band. Let's do it. Let's meet Cool in the Gang. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! We're going to meet the band of Cool in the Gang. Let's meet them. There's uh, a lot of them. There's a, a lot. lot of them to meet. I'll hit I'll hit some high points. Um, we'll do a few side side lists and things. But Robert Cool Bell is yep. the bass player. The aforementioned Robert Cool Bell, Muhammad Bayan. Um, the first band he joined was actually called the Jazzy Axe. Yeah. Um, born in Youngstown, Ohio. So I was like, they, they highlighted that when I was looking. I was like, how many people are from Youngstown, Ohio that I would know? So famous people from Youngstown, Ohio: oh. Ed Ed O'Neill, Al Bundy. <laughs> Um, Jim Tressel, Ohio State co- coach. Ron Jaworski, commentator and quarterback. Glass Harp, the Phil Keggy band, Ooh. started in Youngstown, Ohio. And I bring that up because Rob has a really good Phil Keggy story. I do have a good Phil Keggy story. So Phil Keggy, if you don't know him, is a uh, phenomenal guitarist. He's done a lot Outstanding in, guitar in like uh, Christian music, Christian rock, but, he's, but his reach is far beyond that. He actually is at least in part responsible for the band King's X. Uh, yes. Like, they were there backing. He was and, Keggy's backing band yeah. for a little bit. Um, so that's awesome, because they rock. If you've never heard King's X, you're missing out, man. Uh, but anyway. Tate Bohr, one of Crystal's favorite musicians. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I have a Phil, funny funny Phil Keggy story. Uh, shout out to my longtime friend, Bill Turner. Uh, he went to a Phil Keggy concert in, the, in my hometown, um, area that I couldn't go to, but he knew I was a fan. And so, uh, at one point during the show, should I, let me start with the punchline and I'll tell you how it happened. I own a bag <laughs> of Phil Keggy's fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> now let me work that. Let me work that forward from the front. Uh, my friend, my friend, Bill Turner went to see Phil Keggy. And at one point during the set, he was doing kind of some acoustic stuff and acoustic players, especially um, people who finger pick and that kind of stuff, they are very particular about their fingernails and how they are, you know, whatever. And so he sits down and he's gonna gonna play his acoustic, and he's like, "Oh man, my my fingernails are too long. Has anybody got a fingernail clipper?" And so somebody passes him up a fingernail clipper. He clips his nails on stage. After the thing is over, my friend goes up to the stage <laughs> and collects <laughs> collects his fingernails, puts them in his baggie. And brings him back to me. He's like, dude. And Rob is growing his own Phil Keggy at home. <laughs> That's right. I have four of them now. <laughs> <laughs> I have four Phil Keggy clones, and we're about to launch a fire demo. <laughs> so, yes, I uh, I have. Actually, no, I don't still have. But I have, I kept him for a good long while. Have. I have some pretty cool Phil Keggy stuff. I'm a huge Phil Keggy fan. He's in my top three of maybe he's probably number one. Or I will say top three. because Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's a pretty big deal. He, he, he's my guy. So I've seen him. Probably well over double figure. I'd say 15 to 20 times. Well, one time I saw him, I got, you know, you start getting, st- I always try to get stuff, something signed or say, hey, or get a picture. So one time I took back a picture that we had made together and had him sign a picture of us, which I thought was kind of neat. <laughs> That's great. And he was like, hey, JP, welcome back. Because I'd seen him like within a few wow. months of it. And I guess I'd talk too much or something. And he remembered <laughs> me. 
And he signed the picture of us, which I'm in my house. I was able to run over and grab that. And then I was, I took an album one time, and he's not on the front of the album, so I have a framed back of the album because he's on there. Oh, the, that's the cover. Hilarious. The cover is is not one of his better ones. So no, like, he's just kind of sitting in a very seventies look, sniffing a flower. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Game on. So Phil okay. Keggy. Anyway, from Youngstown, Ohio. Shouts out to Phil Keggy. Well, Shouts out to Youngstown. Exactly. To Shouts ra- out to Cool and the Gang. To wrap up that list, the famous people that I was looking on the website. It's Bobby Bell, who is their dad. He was on the list. He was a famous boxer. Um, huh. Best friends with Miles Davis. Okay, that explains. Go ahead. You roommates have a... with Thelonious Monk. Yes. Go ahead. You got it. You can well, continue. Well, I, I was going to say that explains why I had seen Thelonious Monk, who is my favorite jazz musician. Okay. Uh, amazing. We're talking uh, about our favorites. Today, yeah. Amazing uh, pianist. Kind of just weird. It's your. It's a little bit non-standard as jazz goes, uh, and I just love the guy. Uh, but uh, Thelonious Monk is Robert Bell's grandfather, uh, godfather, godfather, not, not grandfather. No, no, they're not related. That would be uh, yes. He's his godfather. They lived in the same apartment building, and so that yep. explains that that he was friends with Miles Davis. His dad was friends with Miles Davis, and that's why he picked up the bass, and that's how they got because they were touring, you know, and you have kids. And that's they, awesome. So yeah, best that's friends fantastic. with Miles Davis, roommates with Thelonious Monk. So. Great connection. Robert, Robert Cool Bass, good or Cool Bell, Robert good, Cool Bell, good start on the on the bass player, lead guitar guy named Charles Smith. First name is actually Clades, spelled C-L-A-Y-D-E-S, but okay. just went by Charles Smith. Cladus? Cladus, maybe. Cladus. Cladus. It's kind of like fancy Cletus. Yeah. <laughs> like if Cletus bought a tie, he would be Cladus. <laughs> um, and I could not find one thing on him other than find a grave, and he died in 2006. That was Aww. the only thing I could find. Sorry, Cletus. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, on sax, the other Bell brother, it should have probably gone to him next after Robert, but Ronald Bell, sax player, keys player, and he's the majority of the songwriter of the songs. He's written Celebration, Jungle Boogie, Get Down Tonight, Cherish. The only hit he didn't have a hand in was Too Hot, which is written by the drummer, George Brown. And he, even though he plays sax on this, Ronald Bell does, he did not write the sax part. Earl Toon did, who's one of their other sax players. Who That's we'll a talk about Toon. Right? If your last That's name was Toon, last name. like I would have just named my kids Looney, Tiny, <laughs> and Al, who and played football for the Jets. Car, cartoon, cartoon. Oh man, that was good. Yeah, good job, Rob. Um, I guess we'll go to the drummer next, George Funky Brown. Yeah, great... you better be. You better be Funky Brown. Again, not many facts other than I read this awful interview. That he has problems, had problems in his lower back, and he was a longtime martial arts enthusiast. <laughs> so I was like, "Who else likes martial arts?" Oh my god! And their list is way too long. Uh, I bet everybody who doesn't like martial arts. So I looked up like people that had been successful in martial arts, or at least like seemed some sort of belt level. Are you talking about musicians? No, or just just random. Pe- there was a. I found no joke. Over a hundred. Well, I'm sure. So I was like, who's the funniest that like, you know, so I start trimming down this list or I could read people forever. So we're going to take out like Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee, Jackie yeah. Chan, the easy ones. Yeah. So we got Giselle Bunchen. She is a nope. black belt in Kung Fu. What? Watch out, Tom Brady. Wow. If you pick a fight in that household, Yeesh. pick Brady. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar, which kind of makes sense because she's in Buffy. Yeah. Okay. But she has a black belt in Taekwondo. Barack Obama is a green belt, okay. Taekwondo. Okay, hold on, hold on. Green, green belt. Green yeah, belt. I know. So okay. I put that in there because 
Michelle Geller would beat up Barack Obama, Absolutely. which is cool to me. Um, Elvis, black belt in Chito Ryu. Yep. Uh, Michael Jackson had a black belt in Kung Fu. Really? Yep. Jack Black in Judo. <laughs> um, but the, my favorite, I think, is Willie Nelson. Black belt in Taekwondo. No way. When he's smoking his cigs, he's karate chopping his way to success. That's hilarious. Yeah, so there's a there's your Willie list. Nelson. George Funky Brown also in that list, the drummer. All right. So famous martial artist. <laughs> now I'm just picturing Willie Nelson doing roundhouse kicks. I know, right, kicks. with his head, with his bandana yeah, on. Maybe that's where he got that's, the bandana. That's right. Like Karate Kid. He watched it. and He's like, hey, which yeah. came first, Karate Kid or Willie Nelson's bandana? Mm, good question. Probably right? Was he like? What was he like? Okay, man, I love karate. I need to start wearing a bandana. Or was he like, man, like, I love this bandana. I should maybe start doing some karate. Or was Danielson like listening to Always on My Mind and is like, I know what I need a bandana. His, so I can kick it hype, like Willie. His hype music before right. he starts a match. It's on Always on My Mind. <laughs> always on my mind. Sweep the leg. It's like, I'm ready. He's like, let's do this thing. That's awesome. Uh, the vocal, yeah, vocalist aforementioned James J.T. Taylor. Um, he wrote the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack, hmm. not the Ray Parker. Which was on the Hard Guns yeah. video last night, um, and he also is now an actor or was an actor uh, in Mambo Kings the movie. Okay, uh, horn section. We'll just hit some highlights. We mentioned Earl Toon earlier. He did him and Kevin Bale did horns and like keyboard horns. So yeah. you know a lot of it's on Synth keyboard. Horns, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert Mickens on trumpet, Dennis Thomas on alto sax, and I saved him for the last because he's a sax player that plays with the mouthpiece upside down. Which is, I saw that he was self-taught. Yep, and just got in the habit of playing upside down. He didn't upside know down. any better. Yeah, here's and your so, mouthpiece. Man, I, I can't even. Where do you put your tongue? Like, I don't. I'm not a sax player. So, I don't so know. okay, the sax, a sax uses a, a a reed, like a little piece of bamboo, like wood. It's very thin wood that goes in, and it makes the vibrations that send send the air through the horn. So, and it goes on top, and you have to kind of like. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain how you how you make it make noise. But to do it upside down, I, mean, I guess wouldn't be too different. It's just unusual. I don't know. I don't know. You hold your mouth different, or you kind of put your put your teeth around your lips. I mean, your lips. Kenny around G, your if teeth you're listening, will you answer this for yeah. us, please? Kenny G, can, we know can you're not playing in. golf because you're a wonderful right. golfer. And you own you so and your many white pants. pants. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, let us let us know about that, uh, Kenneth. Yeah, sax players, give us a shout if you know. How, how Eric Stevens, you listen to this, please. Eric Stevens, answer us. Yeah, that's on right. This somebody um, let us know. Let us know. Uh, Something sweet is the backing band um, that or the backing vocalist on this. It's yes. a girls group called Sat- Something Sweet, which is neat because they also did Ladies Night. Right. So. Yes. And I, do they have any stuff on their own? Do you know? If I don't they know. Probably done? since they're called Something if Sweet. You, usually, yeah. If exactly. you have a name, you're not a name for a backing. You wouldn't come up with a name for a backing. Yeah, yeah, band, yeah. I think. All right. Anything else on Meet the Band? That's the Meet the Band section. All right. I want to talk a little bit about the the um, the uh, key theory, the theory the of this theory, song, theory this, portion. an interesting conversation to be had as a springboard from from this song. Uh, so this this song is in the key signature of D flat uh, or C sharp, but it would probably you would write it in in D flat. Okay, um, but this song is in the key. Of A flat. So, and I, let me explain why. 
So your main riff, Yahoo, right? Your big, your big notes, uh, your big. For theory to spot. easy it, can you lower it a half step? So we'll do C and G. Okay, can for you all, do that? So this will be sure easier for all the for guitar it. players out there. Okay, we'll 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 dumb it down for the guitar players because uh, we know we we have a hard time following when you start talking about A flat. We want to think in flats. Okay, so let's let's put it in G and just transpose your brain up a half step. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's put this in G. Uh, and if you're playing bass, why would you why would you put the song in A flat anyway? If you're a bass player and you co-wrote the song, why in the world would you put? Come put on, it in a flat? Robert. Come on, Robert. Come on, cool. That ain't cool. That's that not, not cool. cool. There's nothing. Put it in G. Jeez. Uh, making them. We know James J T can drop it down a half step. And, that's right. And still making still all the vocalists having to scream. Yahoo! That's right. Like, that's not. That's not cool at all. That's not. <laughs> So okay, so we're gonna we're gonna put put this in G. Transpose your brain up a half step, okay? Um, so like, okay, so that would mean that if you wrote this song down on paper, and if you and if you look up this song on, if you look up sheet music to this song, I've actually seen it in the key of C. The key signature would have no sharps, no flats, and it would look like the key of C on paper. But the song itself is actually in the key of G. That's where the melody lands. That's where the uh, chord structure resolves to. Where the bass Everybody around the world, come on. Where, that's where, like, you know your brain, where that lands, that's what the key actually is, right? That's a two, five, one progression that says, boom, here's the, here's the key. If there is any doubt, that removes... That removes it. Everybody around the world, come on. The reason it, if you just sat down and played the chords, and if you, if I told you, if I just made you a list, these are the chords that are in this song. Okay. So that. the intro, the intro, right? Okay. We would be in C over E, but right. There's an E on the, there's an E on the bottom. Okay. And then, and then, but that's an F chord. F chord. C over E, F C over E, F, C, G. G. Yeah. Okay. So F C G. Right. That's in your right hand. <clears throat> yeah. Those chords are not naturally occurring in the key of G, but they are naturally occurring in the key of C. Right. C F, F G one four five is in C. Right. But uh, in the key of G, you wouldn't have naturally an F major chord. You would have something over F sharp. You'd have either an F sharp diminished or a D, D over, over F, F sharp, sharp, you know, m more than likely in pop music. Um, so why is this song in G and not C? It's because of later... It, well, it's because that's where the melody lands. That's where the chord lands. They telegraph it later with the the two five one in the key of G. Everybody is an A minor, which also naturally occurs in C. But then you've got a D major around the world, which you would not have in the key of C. It Come would be on, D minor. In it would be C. D minor in the key of C. Um, it's because that's where it's a it's it's a it's a gut thing on what on what key it's in. It's it's an ear thing. You have to let your ear tell you. But if I wrote down the chords that consist that 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 comprise most of the song, you would look at it and say it's in the key of C. And that is because it's easier to write this song down in the key of C 
because most of those chords naturally occur in the key of C. You don't have to write extra extra flats and you don't have to call out weird chords. So if you're in the key of G, then this becomes instead of if you're in the key of C, that intro main riff is like one, four, one, four, five. Right? And that's simple. If you're in the key of G, though, that's a four over six, flat seven, four over six, flat seven, four over six, one. So it's just harder to, it's, it's, it's not natural. It's not whatever, but, but, I, but I'll tell you what it is. This song is in the key of G and in the Mixolydian mode. Uh, and we've, we've talked a little bit about modes before modes are, um, there are, there are seven naturally occurring modes and then there are alterations of, of all of them. Uh, but what we would call the major scale is the actually the Ionian mode, and it naturally occurs like from C to C. You don't have to hit any sharps, any flats. Naturally occurring, that's the Ionian mode. There's also the Dorian mode, Phrygian mode, Lydian, Mixolydian, Aeolian, which is like your natural minor scale, and the Locrian mode. Uh, and these are all the, like, if you go from C to C, you naturally get a C Ionian scale. If you go from D to D without hitting any sharps or flats, just D, E, F, G, A, B, C, D, that is a naturally occurring Dorian scale. E to E is a naturally occurring Phrygian scale. Uh, F to F is a naturally occurring uh, Lydian scale. G to G is a naturally occurring Mixolydian scale. What that means is if you play from G to G, without hitting any sharps or flats. So what would look like the key of C, as far as I, there are no sharps, no flats, but you start on G and end at another G and call it a scale, so you becomes G, the Mixolydian mode. A, B, C, D, E, e F, F, G. G. So that what, it, what a Mixolydian mode is, a Mixolydian scale, is has a major third, just like a, just like a major scale, right? G, A, B, B. C... D, E, everything about it is identical to a major scale from that point. One, two, three, mm -hmm. four, five, six, F. That's the difference. F natural, a flat seven. Mm -hmm. The difference between major and mixolydian is that it, it, it is a major scale, but it has a flat or lowered seventh. So that is what makes this look like the key of C, but it's really G Mixolydian. Ba -da -da -da, ba -ba -da -ba, that ba -da -da -da, that's your flat seven. Okay. If the, the the thing that illustrates it perfectly in this song is actually the horn line. Ba -ba 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 -da -ba -ba. You've got all the elements that give it away that this is Mixolydian. It starts on the flat seven on the F natural. Ba, right? You're in the key of G. Ba. Major six, five, four, major three, four, five, one. Ba, 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 da, ba, ba. Dead giveaway that we're in a Mixolydian mode on this song. And so that is, in a nutshell, a pretty big nutshell, but <laughs> that, in a nutshell, is why, why this song, on paper, looks like it's in the key of C, but is, in fact, in the key of G. This is a great discussion. There are other songs that that have this sort of question that it sounds like it's in one key, but if you looked on a piece of sheet music, it would be in a key signature that differs from what your ear tells you it's in. Give us a, an example of that. An okay, example. so a, a, a great, a, another great example in 
pop music is the uh, song by Duran Duran called Ordinary World. Uh, let me play a little bit of it for you. So there's a little bit of, of Ordinary World by Duran Duran. This song on paper, you would write it down in the key of E. The, the chords to the chorus are B, F sharp minor, A, E, which all naturally occur in the key of E. But your ear tells you that this song lands in B. It's the big chord that sets off the chorus, and, and it's the... It's the resolution. The resolution rests in this B chord. Um, the the melody I learned to survive lands on what would be a nine or a two in the key of E. It doesn't rest right for it to be for that to be the place that it resolves. This song is in the key of B, even though it's in the key signature of E. So instead of what would be in the key of E, a five, two minor, four. One. one that would be in the key of e but what it actually is is in the key of b so it's it's an it's an unnatural progression but it's but it but it puts your ear where it needs to go so it's a one b five minor f sharp minor flat seven a four four e and it just goes in this it's a very circular pattern and in patterns like this it, it's easy if you're just playing if you're a play by ear guy like me it's easy to forget what key you're in because it's such a weird circular pattern it almost feels like it doesn't have a real home uh because the the one loses some of its strength because it's borrowing a lot of chords from other modes that aren't natural to it so be careful if you're playing a guitar solo in this over this progression. Yes. You, you can't, can't just be play playing in B major. In B this is like, and, 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 and heads up to all the lead guitarists out there as you're learning. That's a, a great point. JP just brought up. Don't feel like just because you're in the key of B and somebody says, you know, your, your band leader says play a solo. You can't just play a B major scale over all this. Cause you'll have to change with the chords. That's right. You have to move. take into account the chords that you're playing over. You've got to, You've got to know, okay, so if this is an F-sharp minor scale, then I can't necessarily play all the same notes that I would play in a, in a B major scale. Uh, I've got to put an a, a natural in there, which is not normal for me, you know, that kind of stuff. Because um, if you're in B and you land on the A chord and you're playing the note below B, yeah. which would be a, a B flat yeah, or an B flat, a, sharp, a sharp, and you're over the A chord, <laughs> you're going to vomit. Then I will smack you <laughs> yeah. through the radio. <laughs> Um, and so, and okay, let me, let me give you this too. Let me give you this. This is for all the, uh, for all my fellow worship leaders out there. Uh, this is going to blow your mind if you haven't heard this already, but this, if you may have noticed, if you just listen to the chord progression, uh, at the beginning of this song, which goes a little something like this. You might think that somebody is about to do their um, 80s sounding version of a song called Revelation Song, 
because they're the same chord progression. Um, it's, uh, it's, this is literally the same one, five minor flat seven, four is the same chord progression from this huge song by Carrie Job called revelation song. Um, and, and it has sparked the same conversation among worship teams, uh, everywhere around the nation. What the heck key is this actually in? Like you're telling me, you know, this, this is a key of G, but I'm seeing all these chords that tell me it's in the key of C. Um, no, same no. C and F, D and G. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so anyway, it's just one of those things that it can be confusing, but once you talk through it, it gives you a better understanding of the theory behind it. And I know we took a few minutes to do that, and I, I hope I didn't bore the the non-musicians um, out there who are just listening for, you know... Play the music clip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tell us about that band. <laughs> so, so thanks for being patient with that, but it's important. It's important to know these things, especially for musicians. Got to know your know your modes and uh, and you know all that good stuff. I like uh, that. That was good. Whew. I'm I'm spent. I'm spent. I don't know if stuff. I can. I don't know if I can go on. A couple notable covers. Um, Kylie Minogue did one that we listened to for the first time about seven minutes before we started this podcast. <laughs> Neither of us had heard it. Australian. Uh, you know, she's she she had one hit. It's something about. Like, la, 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 I think that's kind of how it went. Like, literally, the lyrics were like, la, 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 la. So it was something like that, like the chorus. I don't know. Can't get you out of my head. I just can't get you out of my head. Boy, it's all that I think about. Whatever. Thanks for showing anyway, up, Kylie. Yeah, if you're, if you're American and you know Kylie Minogue, it's probably from that. Or from playing a supporting role in the Polly Shore epic Biodome. Really? Oh, yeah. She was, the, uh, she was one of the female scientists who were in the Biodome. How many Polly Shore them. movies can you name? Uh, more than I should. I know, right? I know. I am actually a huge fan of Biodome. I really? love it so much. I've seen it a whole lot of times. Uh, which I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> Son-in-law in Son the law. army now. In the army in, now. Oh, I forgot about that one. Uh, Encino Man. Encino Man. Classic. Okay. Brendan Fraser. Um, he did one recently called Polly Shore is Dead. Oh, okay. where uh, I, I haven't seen it, but I, I think the premise is basically that, or this is what I want the premise to be. I'm not actually sure this is what, but I want it to be is they took a camera around and told a bunch of people and celebrities and whatever. Oh, hey, did you hear Polly Shore died and got their reaction? And like you find out what you know about what what some, what some what somebody thinks of you when they find out you died. You know what I mean? If they're like, well, good riddance. My you know wife's I mean? actually I mean, met Polly Shore. No kidding. Yeah, in California. Well, how about that? Encino. No. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what else? You got, we got son-in-law. Um, I mean, any, I'm tapped after that. After All right. That's about it. He was really hot on MTV there for a minute. Uh, you know, he had a, had a lot going on there. He's like, ow, the weasel. That's pretty the, good. Hey, uh, Polly. Thanks for stopping by. He, he made Polly it. Polly Shore stopped in. We almost didn't do your segment because we didn't think you were going to make thanks it. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, buddy. Glad you found the place. Don't don't wheeze the juice, buddy. I'm just getting worse. It's <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. One other note on celebration. Uh, I, I don't know if I agree with this, but part of its popularity is attributed to the fact that uh, it got played as uh, a, a number of American hostage who had been held captive in Iran for over a year were returned home. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that, you know, it got sort of entwined with that moment, which was a big deal. I mean, that was the, the, the hostage crisis in, in, uh, in early 80, 1980 or 81, um, you know, when these, these, um, 
these hostages came home, it was a big, it was a big celebration moment. Like it was a big deal. And there was this whole wave of sort of, you know, rising American prosperity in the eighties, you know, it was just a, a prosperous sort of, um, uh, decade and, you know, the me generation and all that. Um, so that became kind of entwined with that, that I don't know if I'd think like, that's the reason this song became huge, but it maybe was one of many sort of pushes in popular culture that, you know, that sort of cemented it in people's minds. And it became a thing you, that you, Oh, if you have a special occasion, if you have something happy going on, you mark it by playing this song. Um, my kids know it from Muppets in Space, uh, so I, I, you know, whatever. Ho- Wait a minute. Hostage crisis. Muppets in Space. Muppets Song's in space. been played in space. Oh, uh. maybe. What if they were like, maybe a little inebriated, and Muppets in Space was on the TV, and they're like. Dude, our song's being played on the space shuttle. There we go. Like, we made it. We made it in space. Our song got played on the moon. Wow. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm just, you know, I'm saying it's possible. I've seen they 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 definitely in interviews have said, I don't know. I, I might have been drunk, so I could be wrong about that. So there you go. It could happen. It could just be that, you know, when they were celebrating that Gonzo found his alien race from another planet, they played that song and cool and the gang. They were just watching, you know, like you show your child a video of himself on the television on, and he's like, oh, yeah. I'm on TV. Yeah, well, You're exactly. not really on TV. I'm on TV. I'm, I'm on HBO, man. On home video. Yeah. Uh, any other notes on celebration before I'm, we... I'm tapped, man. I'm okay. Good. Well, thanks for joining us this week on the Great Song Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we appreciate it so much. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Give us some reviews, some ratings online. It really does help get the show in front of more eyeballs and just spread the love. Everybody around the world. Come on. And we gave a little teaser. There will be a season two. Oh, yeah. Season two coming up. We're wrapping up season one. We'll see you next week for another fantastic episode of the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.